Welcome to After the Bell with your host, Laura. This podcast is a series of conversations with educators, leaders, and lifelong learners with the hope of deconstructing some of the stereotypes around education. My objective as a teacher is to focus on the passion, humanity, and hope around education and to provide a platform for the myriad of voices that have something to say and teach us all. If you would like to know more about me, please head to my Instagram page at educatinglaura. Hello everyone, thank you so much for deciding to spend some time with me today on the 22nd of March, which is the day that this episode is released. It is week eight in Victoria and I don't know about you, but I'm I'm in Struggle City. I'm so tired, the marking is coming in thick and fast and I felt like I was kind of on top of this term and now it's all fallen in a bit of a heap. So I would like to give a shout out to the teacher, friends and buddies that we have in schools and one of my beautiful colleagues on Monday, I was struggling a little bit in the staff room getting marking done and I don't know about you but I think after COVID I really have trouble being indoors for long periods of time. It feels almost claustrophobic and I was sitting at my desk trying to get some marking done and one of my beautiful colleagues came up to me and just said, are you okay? Do you want to go for a walk or do you want to go somewhere? And I just love people in your life that just know what you need and just come and check in on you because I wouldn't have gone anywhere. I just would have felt a bit anxious sitting at my desk and I would have probably been in a bit of a bad mood by the end of the day. And this particular colleague just wanted to make sure that I was okay and actually dedicated some time to go for a walk with me around the school, to sit out in the sunshine and just to make sure that I was okay. So to all those teacher buddies out there, thank you. You are greatly appreciated. I also got some incredible feedback from my colleagues as well about the argument analysis podcast that I did with Ben Taylor from the English lab. So one student said to their teacher, one of my colleagues, that after listening to the episode, they actually understood how difficult it was for teachers to teach some of the English curriculum because it is quite vague in the study design and it allowed them some real understanding of what it's like for us as English teachers and I thought well empathy I'm so glad I'm teaching some empathy to our students that it's not like we're trying to make it hard that sometimes the study design is challenging to work out exactly what the expectation is and so I thought that was really great to hear that this student understood that we were all doing our best as teachers and we were trying to get the best outcome for them and that they had an appreciation for that and a realization about that. I also had another colleague who received a practice piece for argument analysis from her student and the student said, actually, I'm going to go and take that back and rewrite it because I listened to the podcast and I now know how I need to fix my own writing. And I thought, that's pretty incredible too, that a student is able to edit their own writing rather than getting a teacher to look over it because they actually know what they're doing wrong. And so hopefully there's a little less marking going on if people are listening to that podcast and students are able to put that advice into practice. I have a very special guest on today, Kath Williams from Kath's Classroom on Instagram. She is the Teachergram's mentor and is all about kindness and well-being and support And she has her own podcast, Get Connected, which I encourage you to listen to. Her most recent one was so gorgeous. It was about 
how to reduce anxiety and stress, getting ready for work, a little things like get your outfit ready before school, look at your lunches, have things ready for yourself so that in the morning you're not worrying and stressed about getting to school and getting to work. And she's just a really kind, generous human that is all about supporting teachers as a teacher of over 30 years now out of the profession I think it gives her a really wide lens to understand the importance of mentoring our educators and I know that you'll love this episode if you don't know Kath make sure you check out her Instagram at Kath's Classroom all info will be in the show notes I also need to let you know that I was a guest on a podcast the podcast is Teachers Talk Texts And it was such a privilege and an honor to be on with Claire, who is a wealth of knowledge. I learned just as much from her as I'm hoping she learned from me. We talk about Women of Troy, which is a text on the VCE book list. And usually I have these really big existential conversations around education. And that one with Claire is me talking shop, really. It's like what I would be in an English class deconstructing and analyzing a text so if you're interested in that head over I'll put that information in the show notes if you're not into women of Troy there are so many texts on there that I would recommend checking it out Claire is absolutely fantastic and I will have to get her onto the podcast soon again if you like this episode if it resonates with you if you know somebody who would enjoy it please share it on social media share it with the people that would like it tag me at educating Laura and Kath at Kath's Classroom. Rate and review the show. Follow on Spotify or subscribe on Apple. All of those things really help people to find the podcast. And, you know, this is my passion projects. It's purely to get the voices out there of educators. And so all the support is greatly appreciated. Here is my conversation with Kath. Hello, Kath. How are you? Hello, Laura. I'm really well, thank you. How are you going? I'm really good. I'm so, so excited for this chat. I've loved connecting with you on Instagram. Thank you. I'd love to find out what education, what the role of education has played for you in your life. All right. So I've been teaching for 31 years, so it's been a huge part of my adult life. Mm. 89 was my first year of teaching, and I guess it's Education, being a teacher has consumed me. I used to spend Mm. a lot of time, thinking time. If I wasn't actually working, you you might go into a shop and you look at little things and you go, oh, I can use that as an activity or you see a book Mm -hmm. or your mind is just constantly going. So for, as I said, as a teacher for 31 years and before that, Mm -hmm. you know, came straight out of school, straight into uni, straight into the classroom. So mm-hmm. consumption of my life and still has a big part of my life. And it's, again, just the, the switching off. I think you're just constantly thinking about children, about how can I help them? How can I evolve? How can I, how can I grow? What can I provide for these children? So, yes, a lot of, lot of my life has gone to it. <laughs> and so what was the decision for you to become a teacher? I wanted to be a park ranger. Okay. Right up to year 12. I loved the outdoors. And back in those days, you had a great big thick book from all the universities with all the different courses and things like that. So sometimes to jog your mind on different kinds of study, you'd go through the book. And anyway, I thought, no, 
uh, I'd really like to be a park ranger. But it came to the crunch. It was four years of basically science. And it was at Armadale University, which is a long way away from where I live. And I just went, oh, I don't know if I can sort of manage four years because a lot of the courses back then were only for the three. And then my mum suggested, she said, oh, how about you go do teaching? And Bathurst Uni is not very far away from me and you could do teachings through there. And I went, okay, I'm going to be a teacher. So yeah, I feel guilty sometimes when people say, I was inspired by this teacher and I thought I'd love to be a teacher myself or this teacher did this for me and I want to change the world and I want to change education. I I didn't have any of that to start off with. Yeah. But I guess in a way the universe was telling me this is where I need to be. So that's how I became a teacher. I think my story is similar in that it's not super inspired. It was just it made sense the pieces fit together, you know, and I found the love and the passion for it when I became a teacher, much more so than yes. my decision to become a teacher. I was more inspired once I got in the classroom and started seeing the difference I could make. So I I get that. Yes, yes. Once I was sort of in there because I hadn't thought about it beforehand, yeah. but once I became a teacher and and then I just went, right, okay, what can I do next? Yeah. How can I help? Yeah. yeah, that's sort of where your passion came from. But you hadn't, as I said, hadn't thought about it beforehand. Yeah, and I suppose that that idea of helping whether it's nature or students, I mean, that's within you anyway. Whatever role you were going to take, it was going to be of a, of a helping nature. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah. What was the university experience like for you and placements and things like that? So as I said, I went to Bathurst Uni or back then it was Mitchell College, so it was a college. I did the three years and my first placement was back in my hometown and I had a good friend who was from Broken Hill. So First year was only two weeks in the whole year Mm -hmm. and it was mainly observation. Mm -hmm. The second year I went to Broken Hill and that was an experience in itself. And again, you sort of just had the the four weeks that time and by the end of the second week you might have done a little bit of teaching. Yeah. And then in your third year you had a six-week placement again back in my hometown and that was it. That was sort of in those three years. It's not much different. Mm. (laughs) No, 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 and you sort of, you know, a lot of theory, mm-hmm. but where's all the practical? Yeah. And then I did, I did a, a bachelor in arts as my fourth year as a graduate diploma in that, so I got my bachelor that way. Do you remember anything you really learnt or that you felt particularly valuable from university or from your placements? No, I can picture. Like we're going back. Huh. 31 years ago, I can picture yeah. some of the lecturers. I can picture some of the subjects. And back then I sort of, I guess I chose a lot of the sport kind of ones because I was into sport, remote teaching or like one or two teacher schools because I was interested in the the country schools. Yeah, okay. A lot of the literacy side of things and maths, but a child development, that sort of thing. But the practicalities, no, no. And like I had three experiences. I only had three teachers. Yeah. In that whole time, in three years. And so you found the theory interesting but not necessarily applicable once you got into the classroom or it was applicable when you got there? No, I don't think I really applied much in the way that I learnt or supposedly learnt at university into the classroom. Yeah. it's That's very different. I think we need to really get a lot more of that practical when you look at, say, uh, to become a chef, like any of your skills. Yeah. 
what are you? You're in work placement and then you have one or two days. The theory side of things. I think teaching perhaps should go more that way. And I know when I listened to Aaron's podcast, he went to a university that had that kind of placement where he could go one day a week into a classroom. And that's a great idea. I think it should be more practical as opposed to the theory side because that's where you've got to learn hands-on. When you get in that classroom, there's nothing like it. (laughs) Right. And it's interesting, one of my students is now a doctor and he chose specifically to do the undergrad in biomed to then do the postgrad in medicine because he said the postgrad in medicine is pretty much in the hospital. And he said to me, yeah, you can do the undergrad and be a qualified doctor, but it's all theoretical. So he could have gotten into that course, but he chose specifically to do the one that had the much more practical based element. And thank God he can choose. We can't choose. No. You know, we have to do it that way. Yeah. That's right. So, no, I think that, yeah, a lot more skills-based, as I said, like a, a TAFE situation where um, mm-hmm. you're, you're learning those skills and then you've got your theory alongside it, not the other way around. So you're in the profession for 31 years, is that correct? That's right. So how did you see yourself evolve as a teacher in terms of your interactions with students, your priorities, things like that? So to start off with, I think I was a lot more teacher-based. So I was the teacher at the front of the classroom and I was the giver of information, you know, like write it up on the board, write it down in your books, children. This is what we are learning. Yes. And then probably my best years of teaching were within my last couple of years where I really sort of learnt to let go of the teacher control, let the Mm. children have more say and more self-directed learning. Mm -hmm. And so we implemented flexible seating. Yeah. So no one else in my school was doing flexible seating. But I went, right, I like the idea of this. I think I can implement this in my my classroom. And so every day the children would come and choose where they'd like to sit, making the choices whether they wanted to, you know, like sit on the floor. I'd let them sit down on the floor. I'd let them stand up at the table. I'd let them have a lot more choice in what they were reading. Mm. So every day we had 20 minutes of their own choice Mm. and we didn't do any activities based on what you were reading and you have to do a reading response or anything like that. That way I could get around and do some reading conferences and all of that was separate to guided reading and things like that. I let them have choice in like genius hour. Yeah. You You choose something that you're interested in and some did guitar playing. Some yeah. showed us how to ice cakes. One boy actually showed us how to prepare a fish. So he had the real fish and he made little cutout fishes and wow. gave us oil. And then he had the big proper uh, fish and to showed us how to prepare it to put it on a campfire, you know, That's because cool. that was his interest. Yeah. So I think letting go and letting it be child-centered as opposed to teacher-centered and having that control you know teachers can be control freaks and (laughs) like to predict everything and have everything organized but I think that's probably how I evolved and be more connected Mm. and learning a lot more about what's best for children and and doing it going against the status quo and there's lots of things I did probably in my last my last year that I had a, a class because in my last two years I was a literacy numeracy support teacher so I didn't have my own class okay but, um 
yeah, we just tried out so many new things. And like half the time I'd ask the principal and other times I'd just go, well, my principal's not greatly interested in what we're doing. She, you know, didn't come into our classroom at all. So I just yeah. went, if I think it's best for children's learning, I'm going to do it. I don't care if no one else in the school's doing it. Isn't that funny that something as simple as letting students choose their own seat, how is that revolutionary? You know, but it, but it is yeah. because we don't do it. We At high school it's probably, probably a bit different, but I know the first thing you do in high school is if children aren't performing or aren't behaving, seating plan. That's one of the first number one things you do is you control the seating, you control where everybody sits. And it's crazy to me that it is actually something to go against the grain to allow students to sit where they want to. Isn't that like what a bizarre world that they don't even have the choice to sit where they want or to inhabit the space how they want. And then that way it also gives them the responsibility. Like I did have final say, like I said, look, yes, you two can sit next to each other or yes, you can sit down on the floor there, but if your work's really untidy or if you sit there and you talk, well, that's not going to be a good choice and I have the final choice. So it's still putting the onus back on 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 the child. Yeah. Let them be a bit more responsible and and wear the consequences. Yeah, and it's funny. I do that even with my kids now. I don't tell them what to wear. I will pick two things, and I say you choose. And I get out of the door so much quicker than telling them what to wear because if they don't want to wear it, there's a tantrum. Whereas if I give them two things that are equally as appropriate in terms of the weather, they make a choice. They've invested in it. And I don't get the I don't yes. get the pushback from them. So it's really interesting that you saw the importance of allowing student agency, perhaps even before that was a catchphrase, Kath. Yes, yes. And I think that just, as I said, develops their choice, gives them then ownership mm-hmm. and they own their behaviour. And I was lucky in that I had a really good group that I could work around all of this as well as, you know, like different cohorts, there might have been a different group, year level, and that wouldn't have worked mm. but for me and the cohort that I had yeah we uh, had an amazing year so what happened from one year to the next that you decided now nah, I'm going to do it different was there something that happened or you went to different PDs or what when I got onto social media mm-hmm. and I think it sort of started off with more so on Twitter I got okay. on there and got into got into a group called kids deserve it and at the time I was home on leave Okay. So their chats were Wednesday nights, which was, say, Thursday lunchtime for us. So I was able to join. I had took long service for term four and I was able to join in. And then I just started meeting people mm. online, I know. <laughs> but uh, it was just extraordinary, the enthusiasm, the the knowledge and experience and everyone just, like, was just so pumped up. And I'd get off a, a Twitter chat, like, would go for half an hour, like, the quick as half an hour you're sort of typing in answers and yeah. replying to other people but everyone is just and I'd get off and go oh okay yeah. Yeah. what would I like to sort of do now and I sort of learnt about the flexible seating a lot of connections were overseas mainly mm-hmm. in America mm-hmm. in Canada and what are they doing all right I think I would like to I'd like to have a go at that mm-hmm. and I like the pedagogy behind it and the research, not just because it's a catchphrase, hey, he's flexible seating. And I thought, no, I think I would like to try that. Yeah. And got on to other things like apps like Seesaw. Yeah, okay. And using that and then found out that, you know, friend in Florida 
was on Seesaw. She said, would you like our classrooms to connect? I go, yep, show me how to. Yeah. So she showed me how to use the connected blogs on it. Yep. And it was only between our two schools, but we'd send little videos to each other and their children would reply to my children. And then it sort of just built from there and we'd share our work. And then another teacher in North Carolina said, oh, would you like to make a, an ebook with Book Creator about your city in Australia? Because I've got seven other schools around the world who are going to make an ebook, and we swap them all. So then you'll actually get all these books back that. from the other countries. I went, absolutely. So, yeah. um, and then I had a great friend in Canada who sat up late one night to read to my children in the morning. And then I've done the same thing, like sat up to 11 o'clock at night to grab their children first thing in the morning. And and just the connections, all the mm-hmm. connections, it was just, it was all the learning and took learning outside the classroom so outside those four walls and then just I just learned by connecting with other people and then we started connecting classes and it was just brilliant yeah probably my best year I put up something about Flipgrid so someone who I connected with similar in Indiana he was using it and I put it up on Instagram and you're like yes I was using this too how are you using Flipgrid yes well very similar because I didn't know about Flipgrid until probably two years after I had the um, seesaw. Mm-hmm. And then just again, again through Twitter, one of our connections was big into the Flipgrid and became an ambassador. So he showed me how to use it. Yeah. And then other classrooms, we had a class in Philadelphia that connected with us and wanted to do guess where we're from sort of thing. Oh, and because cool. of the time difference, yeah. we could never catch the yeah. in class time yeah so we'd have to send videos and then straight away as soon as the children in my class saw the video they went oh they've got to be in America they sound like it yeah. they're not wearing school uniforms and then we'd have like three guesses as to where we are and like you know ask the three questions and we'd do that back to them and then eventually we guessed that they were in Philadelphia once I sort of put up a map and yeah they guessed that we we're in Australia yeah. and then we would just send videos but we could do it through the flip grid yes. and and do the responses through it yeah yeah and I love that yeah. particular platform because it is so private because it's a Microsoft run yes platform and you can decide what's seen what's not seen and it's I think this is always the biggest issue I I originally ran like a, a school Facebook group for my students because we didn't quite have the right platform yet but I think that those platforms right. now are much better you've got your teams you know as you say flip grid seesaw I don't really know so I'd love to know why that's good why are we using that well it is like a digital portfolio mm-hmm. so you can have you can set up activities for the children to use and especially you can use it on a laptop on the computer based but on an ipad you also have the interaction where you can use it to do drawings that's cool so you can insert pictures you can insert links to say your classrooms mm. your google classrooms and then you can put comments so you can allow whether you want the children to make comments, but it all came through me. So I would have to approve it and go, yep, okay, I'll prove that one. Or someone would make a comment and I'd just say, "Um, excuse me, so-and-so, I don't think that, you know, we need to comment like that. So things were getting through. And then you could also link it for parents to see. Mm. So the parents could link into only their children's work. So they were getting notifications and they were able to see their children's work. And then later on, they when I first used it they didn't have parent messaging mm-hmm. 
And then they started with that. So I actually started off with a, an app called Remind. So okay. I was able to just interact with parent, just the group of parents in my class and say, hey, this is happening with our class today. Or someone might send a message, you know, Johnny's lost his jumper. Can you have a, a look for it? Mm. And then Seesaw actually developed, put that into their into their app as well. So you can have messages just with your classroom. And then you can have other teachers. You can allow other teachers. So say, you know, the librarian might want to do an activity. They can link in with it or RFF teacher, Mm -hmm. you know, might take the class and link in to the activities as well. So it's, yeah. And then you can just, and it all just stores and then you've got a a digital portfolio. The thing is what we get as teachers is we get these little dot points or progression points or things that we have to hit. And it's up to us really to design the activity that allows that learning to happen. So you've designed all these incredible international opportunities. What were the things that you felt that the students really learnt and got with some of those activities that you created for them? All right. So there's a lot of digital citizenship. Mm. So leaving your footprint and being appropriate in that once you put things, because we're using a lot of technology, you're putting things out there, there's no way to erase your mm. your footprint at all. Mm-hmm. So that responsibility and connecting with children in other states, other countries, mm-hmm. shows that relationship and empathy and, and learning is not just confined, as I said before, in those four walls. Learning is, you know, and hearing other people's stories, mm. otherwise you become very small-minded and children their world of experiences is very small and where they can draw experiences from. But if if they learn more about people in the world and learn more about their world and, and build their experiences, I think that they're able to show a lot more empathy and, and appreciation for different perspectives. Mm. And it's funny too, isn't it? Because I was saying to a friend of mine that the podcast has really inspired me because I've connected with so many incredible educators that think similarly to me And I didn't know that other people thought this way or I didn't know that other people believed the things that I believed because you often don't have the opportunity to have these really in-depth conversations with other educators. And I think sometimes it's hard for me being back in the classroom because it is very isolating because the classroom is mine and I have to do it, you know, with my students. And so I think for me to have the connection, to have the opportunity to speak to so many other people in education, it keeps the passion within me because it's not just about getting that correction done or filling in that report because it can become a little bit like that sometimes. And I can understand how getting in those Twitter conversations and then putting it into practice and having people to bounce off, how exciting that would have been for you when you started. Connecting with like-minded, passionate people and like I was connecting with authors, with principals, with superintendents, a huge range of people and not just classroom teachers, but just the enthusiasm and the inspiration and you just go, would you like to try this with us? And I go, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. sure, we can make that work. And because I found that piece missing from my yeah. school environment, I didn't have anyone else like even teaching partners, they weren't interested. Like I had one that would turn up at nine and go at three, you know, mm. and did whatever they did the year before, the year before that. And I just mm. go, no, 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 I, I, I don't even want to do what I did term one because yes. that's not quite working. I want to try something new. So I felt like I was on an island in the classroom and it's very easy. You just shut your door and you go in, but you need to be 
open and transparent and connect and and find people who share your passion and also who you can learn from and and bounce ideas from because really teaching if you look at any idea it's very rare it's a new idea yeah quite often it's a tweak on something else and I see things now that I used to do 10 years ago and I think oh gosh I wish I had a sort of patent at that or (laughs) shared that 10 years ago and things go full circle you can see them come back around how do you deal with educators like that that don't share the passion or don't see the point when you are so excited or do you have a way of dealing with those particular educators I think just sometimes you just let them have their own opinion and then mm-hmm. you don't you don't invest a lot of time with them then so if yeah. someone doesn't share the same passion you sort of okay that's the way they are and mm. I was surrounded you know my school environment with those sorts of teachers or you know the ones that were I just sort of thinking why are you still teaching why mm-hmm. why are you cranky yeah. and yelling all the time or complaining all the time if you know maybe you need a break away from being with children perhaps so mm. you just sort of in the end I just distance yourself from that and you yeah. you and I did find that missing that missing piece yeah. but I'd I'm the sort of person that when anything, you know, you go and do PD, some days I'd go like before it's finished, I'm on the computer trying to sort of find out a little bit more about things and I could see the value. Other times I've been to PD and I go, no, no, I've seen this before. This hasn't quite worked or this is similar to that. And I'll go, or I just need time to absorb. I can't necessarily answer things straight away. I need thinking, I need to internalize things and think about things and go radio. But I do. If I, I get excited at some PDs and go right, <laughs> as I said, I'm not even at the end of the end of the PD session. I'm looking up more and how can I yeah. incorporate this into my class? How can this work? How can I tweak this? But sometimes there is things dumped on you as well as so like your school might decide, hey, we're taking on this new approach. Yes, here you go, and I just go, well, hang on a minute. <laughs> mm. I need to read more about this. I need the research. I I need the time to absorb mm. and. And learn and put it into my own perspective and how I can apply it. Yeah. I was chatting to a colleague of mine during the week and she was saying that what she feels is missing in a way is sometimes teacher agency. Yes. That we're really moving into student agency and finding their voice and in giving them choice and decision making and investment, which is fantastic. But then you stifle teacher creativity sometimes because it's like, here's a whole school approach. We're all going, we're all on board with this. It's like, well, maybe not everybody is. And I can see that sometimes if, if you have your own investment in terms of, as you say, like I want to do much more global directed learning and more tech savvy things, whereas there might be somebody else who's really much more about creative arts and that speaks more to them. And so to have to shift it to a digital platform is actually really intimidating and not something that they want to do. And I think that we don't have as much teacher agency perhaps as we'd like to have sometimes. I think we need to look more at what teacher strengths that they have mm-hmm. and and use those strengths. So like sometimes I see in, in the primary, like the one teacher that's been on the one year for the, you know, for 20 odd years and you sort of think, well, yeah. that's not necessarily a good thing. You know, like, yes, they might refine things, but you've got to keep learning. You've got to keep learning mm-hmm. and growing, but look at what your strengths are and use use those strengths you know and we all have different 
subject areas that we like and yeah. not necessarily like other other areas. Like I loved, I'm not arty, but I love doing art with the children. And I would, you know, someone say, oh, take this subject. I said, you can take whatever you want. You can have the science, you can have the human society, but I said, you're not yeah. taking my art. <laughs> yeah. I said, yeah. I, like, I like making things with the children. So, yeah. yes. And, and having a say, I think a lot of, well, again, every school is so different. But the leadership team needs to listen to the teachers, not just make the decisions and pass them down. It's got to be, it's got to be a school-based decision where the teachers are involved in the decision making. Yeah, and I think we've seen this change even for our own teaching. The way I was taught was how you described about the authoritarian at the front disseminating information, and we just copied it down. And we're shifting that so much from teacher to student, but sometimes that top-down approach still stands at leadership, I think. Yes. Yeah. Mm. So with leadership, it's it's not I follow the leader. The leader should be standing with everybody else and let's do this together. Have you seen a particular leader or a way that leadership's worked that's been inspiring for you or you felt has been really impactful? Again, I probably see through social media. And I yep. think, oh gosh, I wish I wish you were my principal. I'm with a a group at the moment. Tell you what, just social media has given me so many opportunities. Mm. I am a moderator with a group with Dr. Jodie Carrington, who has written a book, Kids These Days. Like she did something with George Coros recently. Yes, yes. yes. Stay lit, stay lit. She yep. had a conference, and yep. yes, he was one of the key speakers. So I got asked to be a moderator with several other people. I'm the only Australian, they're Canadian-based, and there was another one from Texas. But this principal who is in, I think she's in Alberta, but I just go, oh, you know, and they're in a serious situation with their COVID. Yeah. But all she is thinking about is her staff. So yes, her students, mm-hmm. but the welfare of the staff and I just and just what she says and what she's doing, I'm just going, Can I come <laughs> and work at your school? Can you be my principal? So I just go, This yeah, is right. incredible because they have the best interest and model and are down in the trenches with the staff. Whereas sort of, you know, my previous experience is as I said before. I'd be lucky to see the principal walk into my classroom, you know, and yeah, if okay. the principal came in, it was like, okay, what have I done? Um, all oh, right. okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. What, you know, you start panicking. Why, why are you in here? What have I done sort of thing? Yeah. Because it wasn't a regular support at all. No. Yeah. So I've missed yeah. out on, yeah, on good leadership sort of previously. <laughs> you know that I've spoken about George Corus before who, as a principal, I feel like he said something like, if you always consider what's best for the kids, you'll never make a bad decision. I'd never heard a principal say that before because it was always about best practice and research and data. It all felt very clinical. And I feel like that stems from university as well. It seems very much about research and case studies. And it was so refreshing to hear a principal say, if you're not doing it for the kids and to improve student experience, then why are you doing it? And I thought, yes. So again, it's like the seating plan, you know, removing a seating plan. It sounds so simple, but no one was saying it to me. That's right. And another one who wrote the book, Kids Deserve It, one of the authors, Adam Welcome, who was a principal, he went off doing, you know, the conferences and all of that. So Adam Welcome, who has gone back to being a principal and one of the co-authors of Kids Deserve It, 
and the whole principle behind it was kids deserve it. So what are we doing to put mm-hmm. to put students first? Because that's what we're in the business yeah. of. Yes, we need to yes. look after ourselves. Yes, we need to look after each other. But we're in the we're in the student business. So yes, you know, kids have the whole idea of school is for the students. Yeah. And tell, tell me about this role of moderator. So what is this that you're actually doing yeah. with Dr um, Jodie So at the moment I'm just helping to moderate on the Facebook group. So it's a private Facebook, like anyone can come and join, you just ask to. But mm. Dr Jodie Carrington is incredible. And another one that, mm. I, that I'd met through, again, through Twitter is Laurie McIntosh from Mrs McIntosh's Kinders and Roman yep. Nowak and these I've had been great friends with them for for a few years and just yep. inspirational just inspirational in just what they are doing Roman is a high school teacher and just mm. what he's trying to do in his classrooms with mainly um, he's got English students and then as I said Laurie is a kindergarten teacher, but they're just mm-hmm. child-centred and, and the kindness work that they do. And then they inspire me and I think radio, I will try and incorporate that mm-hmm. into my classroom and it's just incredible. So as a moderator, I just sort of, you know, do some posts, keep an eye on things that have been posted. But as I said before, we're so lucky here that COVID is you know, the restrictions being eased. Well, they're still trying to yeah. teach virtually. You know, it depends on where you are. Some of the children have come back in the yeah. classrooms and what they've been through with trying to teach in these last 12 months because their year ended virtually, then they came back virtually. So now they've really, what yes. some schools have got between seven to 10 weeks of their year left again. So they're just sort of some are just coming back to to school and just mm-hmm. incredible. So and Jody, Dr. Jody is just doing everything to support teachers and first responders because she's actually a child psychologist. So that's where her background comes from. But she said, "Okay, I need to support the ones who are holding our babies, the teachers and the caregivers, and it's just mm-hmm. a huge support yep. group." And actually, Dr. Jody gets on every morning her time, so it's usually like afternoon by catch up, just on Facebook Lives, and she does, you know, a yep. twenty to thirty minute chat in the mornings and Sunday night, which is Monday about two o'clock our time. Yeah, does a Sunday night chat, and it's just yeah, really just so down to earth. But the inspiration and being connected, the whole concept of staying connected, being brave and and reconnecting through all of all of this especially in in the world yeah. situation Nathan Vandermon in our conversation makes the comment around the fact that it's lovely that the teachergram is what it is in that it creates this platform and i feel this really strongly teachers have felt for a long time that they can't say too much or they can't be outspoken because they need to be in alignment with whatever the school values are and to be promoting the school and it just goes to show, doesn't it, that there is this real universal element to education, that you are connecting with people all around the world that have the same belief system as you. And the fact that we aren't encouraged often to speak out, I don't even know if I've ever been told not to. I just think that there was an assumption in which I felt like I couldn't say too much or I had to be always the teacher and respectful of, I don't know. As I said, I'm not even sure if I was ever spoken to about that 
but it felt very intrinsic. Like I couldn't say too much or I couldn't be too outspoken, but that seems to be shifting. I think that's also keeping professional. Mm. So you've got that professional Mm. line that you don't want to cross. And also on social media, you tend to have a lot of parents and students. So you've also, you know, you don't want to be too specific again. You need to keep that professional approach Mm. because the eyes of the world are are watching. Mm. So you are, in a way, you just can't let off steam. Oh, yeah, yeah. In that sort of way. But I think the connections, and that's what I was, I found I was missing. I was really missing like-minded people and being connected and and sharing ideas Mm. and sharing the enthusiasm and building each other up and support. I really found the support was lacking and and that sort of led, that was a big, big step in um, me leaving. Basically, I think I could probably say now I've left teaching. So completely, yeah. I'd like to, before we get onto that decision to leave teaching, I'd love you to tell me about how you would describe yourself as a teacher. Gosh, I hope that I would come across as being passionate and enthusiastic. And I think as the years went on, I got better, if you can say that, better as a teacher in that I realised that I need to put the the work into relationships, Mm. getting to know the children and understanding what are their likes, what are their dislikes, what's going on at home, talking to them on the playground, outside the classroom, hey, how's your grandma going today because you know what's going on, you know, grandma might have been well or that they're interested in BMX bikes or they play hockey. They've got, you know, little brother or sister so that you can get to know them on that personal level. Mm. I think that's just super important. Mm. And so tell me about the decision to leave teaching. What was that all about for you? All right. So I do have high anxiety. So <laughs> I have high anxiety. So it's probably, you know, every couple of years I just sort of get to the point, you know, I'd come home and say to my husband, I can't do it anymore. It's just it's too much for me. I need to find something else to do. I said, oh, you know, go and stack shelves at Woolies or something. Mm-hmm. It used to be sort of like a, a running a running yeah. joke. But it, a couple of years ago it sort of got to this head that I just felt really unsupported. I was okay. had a kindergarten class, which is like I guess like the prep, yeah. so the first year of school, and there were some challenging children in there and I just found I wasn't getting much help at all with the challenging children. So like from special needs, special ed teacher at all, the principal, again, it was the same principal that I had for the last couple of years, would hardly say boo or come down to the classroom or it wasn't any support. So I just sort of felt really overwhelmed, burnt out, overloaded. I actually went and saw a doctor and just said, look, mm. um, I, I want a doctor's certificate to say, I can only work four days a week. Yeah. So it sort of started off with that and the four days for just for term four was great because mm-hmm. I had that extra day to do home stuff, mm-hmm. get organised, look after three children and still do school things yeah. and be able to get out in the in the garden at the time. Mm-hmm. So that was really good. Uh, the following year I was able to do part-time, so I did four days, mm-hmm. but I could only stay part-time for the 12 months otherwise I'd have to stay that permanently and I would only be offered anything from one to four days it was unknown and I just at the time 
big mortgage and all that, I thought I can't afford yeah. not to be working at least a couple of days. Yeah. So I did that and then um, I thought, righty, I've got long service leave. So I t- took the term four off and um, my son got married overseas and we went overseas and did a, a four-week road trip around the States. Mm-hmm. And then I put in for a job with childcare services, sort of like an intervention Yep. before the children come to school. I didn't get the position. I got an interview, but I didn't get the position. And lo and behold, a good friend of mine who also went for the job got the position. And I just went, right, that's what it's meant to be. Yeah, Wake up to yourself. I asked for a change, only that I was going to be having some more leave. I thought it's not fair on, on the kindergarten. So I went to year two. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started getting connected. Okay. I had a great year. And I had two years on year two. And then in the middle of all of that, I'd go, okay, missed out on that job. Here's option A, B, C. And then my husband brought us back to our hometown and he said, here's option E. And he showed me a block of land. And I went, seriously? And he says, yeah. And I just went, okay, rodeo. So we had the block of land for three years before we decided to sort of build. So that was sort of my way, I guess, of getting out of school. Yeah, that was sort of a, a way. I just went right. It's just, it was just my environment. The culture of my school was very negative. Yeah, and so we didn't have strong leadership, and there were, you know, a few on staff that were very negative and constantly complaining. And I just went like, I just sort of basically stay in my room. I just went, yeah. I, don't, I can't, I can't hear this. I can't put up with this. I tried doing things like that's when I started doing the dress ups and would go down to the front gate yeah. on duty and sort of try and build a bit of positive culture as the children came to school and yeah I had my my cricket and I would cut out little vinyl signs and put them on the mirrors yeah the girls and in the boys bathrooms in the staff cubicle Mm. doors you know positive affirmations do kindness things with the classes that I had and little ninjas they'd go around and deliver little surprises to (laughs) to teachers and other classes and try and build all of that but it was just it was yeah it was just wearing it was just really weird, and I just thought, well, basically, it's hard doing it alone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then I took the opportunity to basically get out of town. We moved back home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and sort of, yeah, just all of that environment. I just needed to. I needed to get out of that environment. And then I thought, well, okay, what else can I do? I can do gardening. I'll just go and weed people's gardens. Yeah. I'll go and do that because I, I can't can't just sit at home and do nothing and I thought oh, I'll make teacher resources so I used to make a lot of my things but never you know like TPT worthy yeah I'm, yeah used to do a lot of that and I thought well I'll just convert a lot of those things and then a job at my actually my old school that I went to school with and it was my first school yeah. came up for the one day and I went oh I can do one day yeah. that's no worries so I did the Monday and then I was supposed to take teachers classes for like 40 minutes to an hour while they went and had meetings with the principal doing their goal planning yep so that started off not too bad for term one then COVID happened yeah Yeah. (laughs) so then I would just go in and help supervise the children who needed to come to school and then after that I was sort of put all over the place in a way that so one day I might have been used for release for 
all of the classes. Mm -hmm. So I literally went into all the primary classes. The next week, it might have been all the infants classes. There was a casual teacher away. So I got put into there. Mm -hmm. Another class, two classes had high numbers. Mm -hmm. So I would go and release their class for the day. So sometimes I mightn't have known until six o'clock Sunday night. Yeah, okay. What I was, what class I was on the next day just by email. So I was very fortunate in that usually things were all prepared for me. I didn't have to sort of do any preparation. Yeah. But at the stay in that, I had little input into what I was doing. Yep. So I might sort of, if I, you know, lucky enough to have kindergarten for half a class, well, then half a day, sorry, I might bring in some books and some other things, you know, get done what they needed to do and then I was able to put some of my own input mm. and my own style into what the, yeah into the day but so it worked out that that position was only temporary there wasn't another one was just one or two days I think they ended up combining a few positions together so it was going to end up like about 0.8 mm-hmm. and I just yeah I didn't put in for anything else mm. and wasn't interested in going to other schools and just thought okay I'll just do a bit of maybe some casual relief and I'm even thinking now I've been asked oh I happened to be away recently a couple of weeks ago and they said oh and I said no I'm away and I said actually I've got days booked in that you want me I've already got garden booked in and I don't want to keep saying no I can't I've got gardening jobs on so I think I might just pull the plug on um been available yeah. for, for relief work. Yeah. I didn't feel connected again. Yeah. They were all lovely and, you know, but I'd blow into one class for 40 minutes, into another one. I'd spend recess and lunch maybe heading off to another class, getting ready. I'd always have a lunchtime duty. Yeah. I just went, no, I don't I don't think I want to go back. <laughs> I felt the same way with CRT or emergency teaching. It's the same thing. You go in, it's very, it's an yeah. easy day because you don't prep anything, you don't take anything home, but the lack of connection and not having a place to sit. Well, I was in like the social staff room, so I had no desk to go to. And I was always very aware because I remember when you're teaching, it's so busy. And so oftentimes you don't take lunch or you're at the photocopier or whatever. And so I didn't want to get in people's way because I knew that they had a lot to do. And it's not a very nice environment to be in where you feel like you don't fit anywhere. As you say, you blow in and you kind of do the job, but There's no investment from yourself because you're not expected to, but also there's no investment back to you from the students. So it's not really teaching, is it? It's a funny, it's a funny like limbo place to be. Yeah, Yeah, I understand. (laughs) Yes. And like I appreciate that work was prepared for me. And so I just sort of follow on with what they were were doing, but it's what they were doing. It's not what I would be doing. (laughs) And so it's funny. So you're at the point now where you're kind of like, I think that my days in the classroom are done and yet you are such a vocal part of the teacher community on Instagram you are moderating as you say for things international teacher and educational programs and thoughts and you're very very inspirational in supporting teachers you have your own podcast get connected thank you so which I love and I'm putting that in the show notes people need to go and listen to it Oh, thank you. So you are <laughs> such a huge advocate for teachers. So what is your, where are you headed with this role? You, you're obviously doing the gardening and it's a lovely, you know, hands-on job to be doing, but you are still quite entrenched in the teacher community somewhere. So what is that for you now? I think I've been doing a lot of soul searching just even recently mm-hmm. in that in that exact thing. What is what is my role? And particularly, I guess, with social media, like social media is that 
fine knife edge yes sort of thing and I I do find it challenging I love the connection just sort of being the introvert I could connect with a lot of people without necessarily stepping outside of my comfort zone at all I've gone to a few teacher meetups and it's just incredible to meet the people that I have been connected to on social media and they've become real life friends yes and I I treasure that but I just feel my role is changing and I don't know whether I still fit in with the social media, with the mostly the Instagram. I haven't spent a lot of time on on Twitter recently. I just go and sort of see a few friends and and retweet and see what they're up to, but I'm not spending half, not even three quarters of the amount of time that I used to sort of connect there. Mm. And I thought I'm I'm sort of scared to go away from the social media because I don't want to lose my friends. Mm. In a way, mm. I've got all those connections and the friends that are more than just connections mean the world to me. Mm. But I'm not in the classroom. I'm sort of, again, scared. What will I share? Because I'm not into uh, teacher fashion. Um, and like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, wonderful for those people who are or, yeah. or making the lanyards or yes. the jewellery or, you know, it used to be the earrings, which I don't see as much now. Okay. Uh, I do want to make the resources. It's a very primary um, <laughs> school. I don't, I don't follow a lot of those accounts, but it's funny. There's a lot of accounts mm. like that out there. And that, like, and I appreciate and oh, that we're all well. different. Yeah. And like, and I follow a lot of those people, but I don't feel compelled that I need those particular things with my teaching but because I'm not in the classroom I'm not able to share the kinds of activities Mm. that I might have been doing and I haven't spent a lot of time making the resources in that I've been doing other things yeah (laughs) sort of thing yeah and sometimes at night time it's just relaxing not to do anything and thinking that I don't have to have things done for tomorrow and that's the biggest thing I've found is not teaching is the relief Mm. And the and the relief from the stress, and then I could sort of relax. Like I will still say, my mind is ticking over with something to do with teaching yeah. or or Instagram or something. It's constantly still going there, but I can just sort of sit down, and relax. And Sunday nights, I'm not anxious about having yeah. to, you know, am I organised for the yeah. week ahead? Have yeah. I got this done? And just so much more relaxed mm. and less anxious. The difference is huge. Yeah. For me, I'd like to tell you what I love about following you on Instagram. And I'm wondering if this will, I don't know, muddy it or make it clearer. I'm not quite sure. But what I have always loved about following you, Kath, is the fact that you see the education system through a much wider lens, you know, because you aren't in the classroom and you're not down in kind of the the reports and the teacher tide and all of the kind of nitty gritty parts of education. And you're bringing the real positive voices out and sharing them with so many people, whether it's your voice or whether it's the ones that you've connected with. And I think that the podcast I kind of, I think has given me a stabilizing element to my Instagram because before that I'm like, I'm not really sure what I'm doing on here. I'm not sure what I'm sharing and what I'm about. What part? Yeah. And Mm. I've seen, I've seen so many people asking on stories, what do you want from my Instagram? Why are you here? And it is really like that because we are helpers at our core and we like yes. to help people and we like to know that where our content is landing and, and it's hard when you're sort of not connected to, to individuals in a classroom. But I think sometimes that just being able to see the positivity within education and the fact that, you know, you have the experience to say, 
this is what it's all about and this is what's going to stand and this is what you need to invest in because in all of my years, this is what it's still about or this is what I've seen become very important. And I've loved that about Thank connecting you. with you and, and, and watching what you post as well. And I think that I don't, I often don't go to people's pages for resources. I go okay. for people's perspective. Yes. Yeah. And I want to be able, as you said, be able to help and I know what it's like not to have the support or the help mm-hmm. or the connection and I want to be able to provide that. And yeah. and yeah. my big advocate at the moment is for teachers and to support teachers. So I've been in the classroom where I've supported the children. Mm-hmm. Now if I can support the teachers mm-hmm. who are supporting the children, I'm getting, you know, two for the price of one. Yeah. But um, I just sort of sometimes think, well, but I'm not, teaching is not, solely my life anymore like yeah even when I had a family teaching was such a huge part of my life and now I I am sort of yes I do have the gardening I also got my own gardening Instagram page which I sort of you know try and leave a bit more of the gardening but just sort of what's going on in my in my life and I sort of as you say you know people ask what do you what do you want to hear from me and I just think well I'm not sure if what I'm doing is enough for people that sort of thing because I want to be able to help yeah but it's so hard isn't it because Instagram can be so performative yes yes and I don't want to be all solely positive because life isn't necessarily that but I find that when I mix with you know when I'm down you know I feel that sort of spiral I internalize I start switching off and Mm -hmm. I start not regressing but I start internalizing and I'll back away and I'll sort of, yeah, and then I sort of think, oh, and then I'll get in contact with someone and they'll just be able to inspire me and, and just sort of scoop me up and say, no, no, come on, I'm, I'm here with you and, and make me feel better. And then I think, no, I'm stuff this. I'm going to get in there and, and yeah. I'm not going to go that direction. I'm going this direction instead. Yeah. I'm not yeah. going to sort of put myself down into that spiral. I'm going to get myself back out and and I'm not going to sort of be beaten. Mm. I'm going to turn around. But I can see the pressure that teachers are under. I can yeah. see that they need the support, that they need the encouragement, that they need to know that someone is looking out for them because mm. they can be very lonely. Yeah. Very lonely. As you say, you can you you get busy in your classroom and, and sometimes like a couple of great friends that I had at school, they'd be in a different building, in a different class, yeah. and like I might pop over in the afternoon at half past three just to say hello to them. Like, yeah. I haven't seen you all day or all week. How are yeah. you? You don't yeah. have time during the day. Yeah. And that's the thing, like you are the only one within those within that classroom with those kids. And so anything that is said is you retelling a story no one's ever there with you often experiencing that teaching moment or that win or that fail it's you that has to then figure it out for yourself and then go in the next day and and work it out there's no one with you most of the time yeah Yeah. and you need to offload because (laughs) I come home and the teacher talk like my husband doesn't want to know about it he just (laughs) (laughs) so you need to be able to talk Yes. with other teachers and be able to debrief and put things into perspective and, okay, you know, I've had a, a bad experience today or this didn't quite work and, mm. and you know, I need to debrief about it and, and feel better about myself and tomorrow's a new day and, 
and go on with it. But it's hard. Teaching is hard and mm-hmm. not necessarily, you know, in society's eyes, there's still that stereotype of you only work nine to three and you get all these holidays and you're only, you know, your finger painting. Mm. That's all you're doing sort of thing. <laughs> Hopefully homeschooling and remote learning has shifted that perspective somewhat, I'm hoping. <laughs> Yeah, I think it might have at the start, but afterwards it was like, yeah, I'm not sure. (laughs) Right. I've seen your page to be realistic. So I never think that, oh, she's going into that toxic positivity where everything's sunshine and rainbows because I don't like to be in the trenches and not getting out either. That's the other thing. Like, Because there are are many educators that are deeply negative and will always Mm. see the always be cynical and always see the worst part of teaching and never believe that students can be better or leadership can be better or the system can be better. And I don't want to be in that place. Yeah, I need to debrief. No. I need to acknowledge that there are things that are flawed, but I'd really like someone to talk me out of that place or to help me see the grant through the bigger lens. And I think that you're very good at doing that, Kath. Well, thank you. No, I greatly appreciate. And I said, just sort of from my own experiences, being in, in surrounded by negativity and the lack of support, I've just got to do something about it. You know, if people are not finding that at school and and I really miss, really miss having a teacher buddy. I'm I'm jealous. Yeah. <laughs> I'm jealous of those teachers that have great partners. Yeah, you know, and they and they plan together, and you know, do so much together. And I just think, oh, I I just really would love a teacher buddy. <laughs> I'm seeing at the moment you're doing some kind of like walking or something with someone on Instagram, where you're making them yes. account. What's so is that kind of like a teacher, a virtual teacher buddy? What's going on there? Yes. So it was just with Kerry from our creative classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, had a post about accountability buddies, and I just went, oh well. I don't have any anyone that yeah. sort of, you know, keeps me accountable. And then Teach With teach with T just came up with, said, oh, well, I'll be. And I went, wonderful. Thank you. So, yeah, yeah, she's she's up in Queensland and I'm down here in New South Wales and, and just supporting each other. So we just sort of linked with our Apple Watches. So just, yeah, because I just, my goal is to close my three rings because I've been doing that for... I think since about halfway through September last year, was to get my three rings. Other people are trying to get their like 10,000 steps. Yep. Other people are doing, you know, making sure that they do some kind of movement, walk, whatever, for so many days in a row. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's where that came from. It's all through Kerry's Wellbeing Club. Oh, I'm part of that as well as, but this, we just sort of met on a, on one of the posts, yeah. But we we are also in that wellbeing group as well as so that's sort of you know somewhere else another safe spot where you you know don't necessarily have the wider community or parents, students, whatever else, so that you can and share and encourage and 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 build your wellbeing because yeah. that's a huge part of part of teaching is looking after your well-being I would put something in the show notes about that club because I think it's an important place to go if you're not really feeling supported yes at your school potentially yeah no that's a, that's a yeah. good place tell me about the decision to create your own podcast well when we moved and I started off with the gardening I thought no I still want to be able to be in touch with the the teaching community and I thought Okay, I'll have a go at this podcast business. <laughs> I'm, yeah, oh, I love this. and I just went, oh, because that can reach anyone all over the world. Yeah, I didn't really have a, a good idea. I just 
watched YouTube videos on how to do podcasts, read articles. Yeah. Um, a good friend of mine, Tabitha, who had Smartphone Marketing School and Flapjack Resources and now Teacherpreneur. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. She was big into, so I just asked her about uh, recommendations with microphones and all of that set up. So I got myself a microphone and then I thought, oh, okay, I don't know about how to record this. So again, back to YouTube, like, honestly, there is no excuse for not knowing how to do anything because you can find something on YouTube or Google it. So I watched, um, again, some videos on how to use GarageBand because I did already have it on because my son used to use it with his guitar playing, stuck myself in my wardrobe and recorded my first episode and then went, radio. how do I edit and all of that? Oh, so, but I'm not a good speaker, so I need to write notes down so that I can remember what I need to say. So (laughs) you've just been wonderful because I have got six pages of notes all over my desktop here (laughs) and I have not had to refer to them at once. So, oh, good. good. I'm terrible. I have actually had people say to me, "You're not up to that question yet," because I just love talking to people and I get really excited by what they say, and then I ask different questions. So, thank you for being so flexible, Kath, because I've probably been all over the place. No, no, no. That's all good. And sometimes I just need to brain dump, I guess, get things out of my head and get my ideas clear because I'm a very visual person. So to get Mm what I need to say out clearly doesn't necessarily always happen. So I just went, radio. I can connect with teachers and support teachers or educators, anyone through a podcast. And then I just sort of, again, did talk to some other people. What do you use to upload your podcast with? So I thought, okay, now how do you get it out there? And I just use Anchor. Yeah. I just thought just free. Yeah. I thought that's free. That's easy to start off with yeah and again I sort of and I'm overthink things I think oh look oh am I saying the right thing is this the message getting through does this sound like I'm just talking and and or reading and not really connecting and so I know there's lots of ways to improve and I'm here to learn and grow but you must get some good feedback from it I love I love your podcast thank you but my probably my latest one has been the quietest so sometimes and I guess people are busy at the moment too and I sort of put it out on a Monday and I thought oh you should have done you know waited and I just think well hang on a minute what are you doing it for to get feedback gratification Mm -hmm. or you're doing it there to support Mm -hmm. others and even if you're just supporting one other person and what they need to hear that's your purpose. That's what you need to do. Yeah. Yes. It's very hard though, isn't it, to get caught up in the numbers because it does show you in your dashboard who's listened to what, what's popular, what's not popular, when people download, when they don't. And it can be very hard to not get sucked into that. You're like, oh, maybe I should do it on a different day or a different time. Or I've gotten to the same point as you, Kath, that I'm like, I don't have the time or the energy to worry about if I'm posting at the right time. I'm just like, you know what, if people want it and they're invested in it, they'll find it. And that's right. Yeah. 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 And I'm mindful of trying to keep a shorter episodes because I know with myself, if I'm going out for a walk, I'm not necessarily going too long. So I might just sort of like little bite size little pieces or just, yeah, that was just my, my, (laughs) and plus I don't think I can, well, other than 
you know, obviously talking with you, it's been a beautiful experience, but I just don't think I can talk that long otherwise. <laughs> well, I don't talk for myself. I did similar things. I had blogs that I was, I'd just read out and that was seven minutes or something like that, but I wouldn't speak on my own for an yeah, hour. Yeah, that's true. I don't have to say. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, this has been wonderful. Thank you. I've got two more questions for you, and these are my two favourite questions of the ones that I asked. So the second last one is I'd love to know about your hopes for education in the future. Oh, gosh. The hopes is that it becomes less like a business and or mm. an enterprise and, and gets back being people, student, teacher-based, that teachers have a lot more say they're on the mm. front lines, they're in the classrooms, and then a lot of those in in admin, leadership, policy makers, they're not even educators. They're business people. They haven't, you know, haven't even stepped inside a classroom, and here they are making decisions. I only found this out from Nathan Vandermond in his conversation because he worked for the department. In my yes. idealistic head, I really believed that most of those people were in education in some way, and it's not true. Mm. Like they've been a classroom teacher, then they've gone to being a principal, and then they've gone on to admin and policy making. No, it's run like a business. I know it's not nice, is it, to really to really consider that? Yeah, I don't like the political Mm. side of it Mm. at all. That was sort of one thing. I just wanted to get in and teach and do what I can with the children, but all the you know the political side of things, the accountability and everything, and and what's getting on teachers plates the curriculum yes. it's just crazy the amount of things that are on there and it's just getting bigger and and worse and and again mm. the support so release from face to face to do your reports i do not know of one teacher that does not do anything out of hours oh no you know doesn't take stuff home yeah. okay because there's not enough time in the day because you're too busy teaching to be able to do all the other stuff yeah all the paperwork and the admin and online things yeah. and reporting and oh. well a friend of mine when because I'm back three days this year and she said don't you spend one of your full days off working I still probably do two to three hours of work every night and I work three yeah. days yeah because I can't fit it in I can't that's you know? right yeah and then you you have to start that work when you put your children to bed that's so it. you start probably about half past eight I do and do some of some of the extra things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and I've made a real conscious effort to not give this away because this you know the podcast would be the easy thing to go no no I'm too busy I can't do it but I'm like but I need that for myself that's actually filling me up to be able yes. to connect with those really passionate educators and bring that back into the classroom so I have making a conscious effort to ensure that I make time for this because this is actually about me yes yes, yes. what are some of the greatest lessons you've ever learned Kath that you are forever growing and learning. Mm. Don't forget, yeah, don't forget that one. That you can't change the past. Okay. So let the past go. Do the best you can with what you know until you know better. Mm-hmm. And then once you know better, you can do better. Yes, I love that one. Every child deserves a champion, an adult who will never give up on them, who understands the power of connection and insist they become the best they can possibly be. And I know that I need to be that adult mm-hmm. for children, be an advocate for every child. Every mm-hmm. child deserves yes. someone who 
will advocate for them and stand up for mm-hmm. them. You don't know it all. Mm-hmm. You can never know it all. And you never be in the one class and that's it. I'm just going to stay here. Yeah. You've, you've got to keep evolving and to be yourself mm-hmm. and that you are enough. I love all of those. And I do see that those are the big messages that come through your page, Kath. So I think you really practice, oh, good. practice a lot of that. Thank you. Thank you. But, I, yeah, I just hope that, you know, that I can sort of show that, you know, as I said before, that my I'm enthusiastic, share that passion, the kindness and the empathy and be able to, when I was teaching children, to be able to incorporate that into my teaching into their learning mm. as well as I think if we can have kind empathetic children that show respect mm. and are open to to learning and open to to listening to others mm. I think there's our future generation yeah I don't want to put words in your mouth but I think what I took away too is the fact that if you're finding as though it's not the job you want it to be or it's not exciting you find that excitement again because that's what you did you know you went out and you went onto twitter or you connected with people and you're like well what are you doing and if i can't find this in my school can i find it outside of my school and i think that's really a great message that's right and it it comes through from being connected and i want to learn yes i want i want to grow i don't want to do the same thing i want to be a better teacher a better person Mm than I was the start of the year, than I was last year. So constantly that growing and evolving. Is that little by little. do you think from a personality level? Are you always wanting to learn more and to grow more? Or is that something that's become more? I think so, yeah. yeah. It's probably not competitive. I've always, <laughs> I've always been a sports person. Okay. I've always, you know, played sport all my life and probably only in the last couple of years, last three years, I've actually stopped playing basketball okay. since I moved. But... I like to do well, yeah. Even in myself, so I like, I like to be able to do things. But I again, if I can't, you know, I'm not perfect at things. That's okay. But I like to, uh, like the podcasting. I had no idea how to do a mm-hmm. podcast, mm-hmm. so I learned how to do that. I had no idea how to use Flipgrid and Seesaw and and connect and mm-hmm. do all these other things. So. I've taught myself how to how to do those things. Yeah. So I might read something and go, well, okay, I'm going to follow this up and learn how to do that. So I, again, come back to being that lifelong learner mm-hmm. and just wanting to to self improve. Yeah. I think just to improve, just to be a, the best version of myself. Yeah. Thank you so much for spending your time with me, Kath. It's been such a pleasure, and I've loved getting to know you through Instagram. But it's so much nicer to have you live with me and responding to me so thank you so much oh it's such a pleasure to be able to talk to you thank you for the the invitation and and listening to (laughs) listening to my story and to and the chat with you and it's just it's a real honor so thank you so much